Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am your host, Nicole Eunice, joined by our special guest, Rachel Toon, who's here with us again today. Hey, Rachel. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be with you all. How's life at Montreat College today? Uh, Glorious as always. Beautiful fall weather. Kids finish their midterms, so they're kind of chilling out a little more, so we're all grateful for that. Fantastic. Well, I know that we have listeners joining us from all around the world, so I think it's important for us to put ourselves in a place. It is fall and rainy here in Richmond, Virginia. It's fall and beautiful in Montreat, North Carolina. And hey, Rachel, we have some listeners coming to us from Norway today. Norway. All right. Come on. (laughs) Norway, Singapore, and India. We want to say welcome and hello to all of you. Wouldn't it be fun if we knew how to say hello in all the languages? That would be awesome. We'll we'll practice next time. I was going to say, can you put that on our homework list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on it. (laughs) I literally can't say hello to any of those countries in their own language. But, you know, we'll go with hi, hello. Yeah, hi, hello. Y'all are many time zones from us. So welcome. Welcome to this party. And many different weather patterns. So we're glad you guys are here. And isn't it cool? I mean, just reflecting on how amazing it is that God's given us a word that applies across time, across circumstances, across cultures. It's incredible. It does take a little work to get there. But when we do the work of interpreting the Bible together, we actually do see like how God is present and active in our lives in this world. Pretty crazy, isn't it? It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So cool. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. All right, tell us a little bit about what we're going to get into today. Just give, us a, just give us an overview of the passage, and then we'll kind of dig in a little bit more. But can you just give us a little, catch us up to where we are as the scene unfolds that you guys can listen to in the previous podcast where we read to you guys from Genesis 32 and 33? Oh, man. Uh, so so part of uh, how what got us here is we're now just a couple generations down the line. So last week we talked about Abraham. 
mm-hmm. and God's promise that he would have a son, which didn't hadn't happened yet during our, mm-hmm. our time last week. Spoiler alert, that happened. And so <laughs> go read those chapters. So very, yeah. So the miracle baby comes along in Genesis 21, and that baby is Isaac. Isaac grows up and he has twin boys, Esau and Jacob. They are not friends. And so they do not get along well. Esau is the outdoorsy jock and the favorite of his dad. Jacob is the gamer homebody. He's the favorite of mom. And so they just, they're kind of in conflict from day one. Jacob is always kind of relate. Yeah, Truly nobody does no anything about this. No one has any idea what it's like to talk about birth order, jealousy, envy, favorite sibling conflicts. If anyone's um, having like a spark right now, they're like, is this is this about my life? Then keep listening because the answer is yes. Really it definitely, yeah. it definitely is. Jacob is the sneaky one, so his mm-hmm. name literally means deceiver, and he lives up to this at a lot of counts. So he managed to swindle his older brother out of his birthright and his blessing. Those are two different mm-hmm. things. And when he steals, those are great chapters. Go read those. Yeah. And when he steals Esau's blessing from dad, that's really kind of the last straw. And Esau says, "Forget it." He plans to kill Jacob as soon as their dad dies. So Jacob runs away. And he goes to live with his uncle. He ends up getting married twice. And the first time was kind of an accident. Go read yeah, that one. I always say to people, like, listen, there's no electricity. Like, I, it's don't <laughs> There's bales. There's a lot of there's drinking. Mail. Yeah. There's people there's like, messes. how could you possibly marry someone that wasn't? Well, it's it's a different world. And also, I just I want to take up for Jacob for just a minute because I feel like Jacob gets a bad rap. Yeah. And I'm not saying he was in a swindler and he was not deceptive. But first of all, first of all, like his mom was involved, too. Second of all, mm-hmm. Esau was the one who was willing to give up his birthright because he was hungry. Like, yeah. there is a lot of messed up stuff happening. Every every person so. in the family. If you ever had to do those, like, family genogram things that yeah. map dysfunction, everybody in this is a squiggly line. Uh, right. So, and I think everybody, like, I just want to name it because I think it's so easy to create villains and heroes. And the Bible, like, doesn't let you do that. It's mm-hmm. really crazy. Like, if you if you engage pretty deeply in Scripture— it is very rare to almost never that you have a true hero outside of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and a true villain. Like there is a lot of messed oh, up, real complicated. Right. Because we're human. We're human beings. Like it is. So, yeah, there's it's clear in scripture when you guys go to the details that mom was involved in helping mm-hmm. Jacob swindle. So like that's crazy you know right like and dad is is definitely not the hero in this equation no. dad's doing weird stuff passive weird Super yeah passive, yeah <laughs> so it's a whole thing so so jacob it lives with his uncle hiding from his brother mm-hmm. for about 14 years and then he gets tired of that and god tells him in genesis 31 that all right it's time for you to go home and face your brother wow so he goes he packs up his whole family which is huge at this point and as he gets close to his hometown he receives word that um, he's he let Esau know that he was coming and he hears back that Esau is on his way with 400 men. And so Jacob's initial response is, oh, man, he's going to come to wipe out my whole family. So he's yeah, really like, afraid that everyone is going to engage 400 men. Yeah, that's a lot of men. That's a that's big not, welcome party. It's not. A, yeah. And it's not the women. It's not the children. It's not the herds. So when you're coming only with men and like, again, I always say this, it's so basic, but I think we have to really remember this. There is no police. There's no legislation. Nobody you can call. Life by conquest, right? So it would be very normal for tribal skirmishes where you would come and like take over a whole basically like tribe, village, community, whatever. Like that's kind of the vibe, right? So what would you think if someone was coming at you with 400 people? With like a whole football team of people to greet you. It's like, you know, you're going to make an assumption. Yeah, four Four and and a half football teams. teams. (laughs) Yeah, like a whole league. Like the, the whole, whole, the whole, the whole NFL as he's about to meet you on your driveway. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And so Jacob makes this assumption that Esau is going to murder everybody. 
And so that night he divides up his family in separate camps so that he can't kill everybody all at once. Mm-hmm. And he spends the night alone. And we don't really kind of know into all of his thought process, but we know that he just needs some time. And so he spends this night by himself. And what happens is the most important moment in his life. And that's mm-hmm. what we're getting into today. That gets us up to speed to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So let's go. Let's go through our basic, you know, kind of my Bible's alive sort of framework. So the first thing we just always ask is, what does it say? And we did. We just did the backstory first because you need the backstory just to engage mm-hmm. with this narrative. But we want to talk about what it says. And there's a lot of things that stand out, right? Like we kind of already touched on the fact that Esau was coming at him at the end of the passage. And we can talk about what it looked like. What is Jacob doing when he puts his servants, Leah and Rachel, sort of in order But even before that, and the really important part, I think, is this part where he's alone, right? And we've got this. And immediately for me, you know, Rachel, without like thinking about what I know from the past, just thinking about what's actually written here, I'm like, this is bizarre. This is so weird. It's very weird. And and the thing that actually is weirdest to me is that, okay, so we know that Jacob's alone in the camp and a man comes and wrestles with him and it happens all night. But the part that's really crazy to me is the fact that he, like, the man can't win. Like, this man, this mysterious figure, like, Jacob is so, whatever, scrappy, <laughs> so relentless that mm-hmm. this man, this mysterious figure can't, like, get out of this experience. So, you know, did they talk? Like, what even happened? Yeah. Yeah, I know. that. It, well, I would recommend reading this passage with collegiate wrestlers. So many of my student, small group student leaders are collegiate wrestlers. You get it way better because they're reading this and their kind of just initial take was, man, he wanted that blessing real bad. Yeah. He wanted to wrestle all night. Hey, wrestling matches last, what, a minute, a couple minutes? Yeah. I mean, and those are really intense. Yeah. And they were just really stunned by the fact that he was at this all night long, which is impossibly hard. And he threw his hip out of socket. And each one of them clearly grimaced in physical pain. Mm. And so their, their initial response be. was... Whatever he wanted out of this, it was real bad because that's super miserable. Oh, man, that's such a that's such a good word. And it is interesting. You know, this verse 25, and this is in the New Living Translation that I'm reading now. It says, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. So, mm-hmm. so we have this crossover from sort of like a human experience to now. Now we're in a supernatural experience because it doesn't say he like punched his hip out of socket. It's like... Mm. All he had to do was touch it, which now we know actually where the power lies. Now we know that like something more than just a mysterious human to human experience, like wrangling match by the river is yeah. happening, right? Somewhere around verse 25, Jacob figures out that who he's dealing with is more than just a human being. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's probably the moment where he says, oh, man, I, I'm I'm in over my head. Right. And we know, like you, you actually touched on it just a bit before that Jacob has had experiences with God. He's had dreams. Mm-hmm. He's had these. He has a faith like the, there's something in him that does believe in more than what he can see. So we know that like going into this, he did have faith coming some kind of faith in some kind of God that that comes into this. Right. And so now he wants to know who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's the next part, of course, to me that stands out is this naming. So you want to say a little bit about what happens here? Like there's a couple of things that all these things get named. Why is that important? So first of all, names are a really big deal in the Bible and mm-hmm. more so than they are with us because they're actually carrying a sense of of who the person is. They're, they're a description of that person's identity. In fact, in the ancient 
ancient world, if you invoked a name, you're kind of that you were getting that entity to vouch for whatever you were doing. So there was a real power to a name. And we've talked about this before, but whenever the Bible is asking a question, it probably wants you to ask that question or at least very much pay attention. And so when the we'll say say the angel, the mysterious man asks Jacob, what is your name? Right. He's he, Jacob responds with Jacob, which means this yeah. which has yeah. very much been the narrative of his life. He mm-hmm. is a conniving, sneaky person. Mm-hmm. And again, he, are, he is not the only he's not the villain necessarily that everybody else is a mess, too. But that has been kind of the theme of his engagement with his family. He spent his whole life hustling and manipulating to get his way. Uh, you might say it, wrestling. You might say wrestling. He spent his whole life having to to manipulate and hustle blessing from his father because it was never given to him freely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has just been been his experience. And then, he so, gets, then he has to manipulate and hustle his father-in-law because yeah. his father-in-law manipulates and hustles him. So yeah. now he's had a life where mm-hmm. manipulating, striving, mm-hmm. you got to get your own has been his story because it's happened. He's done it and it's happened to him. Right. Yeah. So he's and then he's got Esau bearing down on him. Right. Yeah. So we're in this moment of like, will I like, where do I stand in the world? Like, yeah. who am I? What am I striving for? And then this seems scrappy life is what has him wrestling in this moment. And now he's mm-hmm. broken. Right. He's literally broken. His hip is messed up and they stop. Right. And this yeah. is and now we've got this like inflection point in his life. Okay, you keep going. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. Dot com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. And so, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Mm. And just the power of that statement. And again, whenever anybody's renamed to the Bible, pay attention, right? Abraham yeah. is renamed to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. This is common. Saul to it, Paul. Is Saul to Paul. So this is like all the way It marks through. a transition point in a person's life mm-hmm. and in their engagement with God. And I think it is so profound that this is the name God chose to give his people. 
right? God's people are not those who love God the most. They're not the obedient ones. That's right, right? It's not, right, for a, a Muslim is one who submits to God, right? That's mm-hmm. not the name that, that the God of the Old Testament gives his people. It's mm-hmm. those who struggle with God, like the ones who wrestle with mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And well, I think we need to dive into that. Yeah. Well, those who wrestle with God and with man. Yeah. <laughs> and with man. And then too. And then definitely then too. And then even more importantly, in this moment, as Esau is bearing down on him, as Jacob believes he's got to, again, strive, figure out, strategize how to survive in this world, the name he's given is you have overcome. Like, not you will overcome, but like you have. Like, I'm naming you in this moment, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of the problems, in the middle of everything that you think is still about to go wrong. I'm giving you like a name now, which to me is really profound and beautiful about how God works and how he names our identity. Because we'll see, like, Jacob, there's trouble ahead still. Like, it's not like trouble went away. Like, now you did it. You wrestled all night. Now it's glory from here on after, right? But it does mark a change. I think a change in his heart that we see start to to grow, like, in the rest of his narrative. And I think it matters that the name change comes when he is finally at the end of himself. Mm, when totally physically he is spent kind of probably emotionally he spends again blessing and approval is something he's had to steal his whole life and so mm-hmm. this is about to shift but when he's finally brought to the end of himself when he's finally humbled that's when the ch- transformation takes place yeah i'm really beginning of it backstory you know it wasn't a good leaving with laban his father-in-law mm-hmm. like he kind of ran out of time yeah. there like so he has all this he's prospered he has all this stuff but he actually is not only spiritually in between, but like physically in between, like, where do I go? You know, so I think the end of himself is a really, really good way to see this. And yeah, I mean, the, the connection, if nothing else that we take from today, the connection to the fact that this is the name that God gives his people moving forward. I had not thought about that before, Rachel. So profound because this guy is a mess. (laughs) Such a mess. He's probably the messiest of the patriarchs of kind of the the big, the major players in Genesis. Jacob is probably the one that you're just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So the guy, he's the one. Yep. So that all of that happens. So like, okay, so we've got a lot of pieces that we've pulled, but let's just take it to like our, our third question. What does this mean? Why as believers in 2023 or spiritual explorers or seekers right now, why do we want to know this story? Like, why do you want to know this story? Why do I want to know this story? What does it teach us about God? And what does it teach us about us? Well, actually, I'm I'm going to throw that one back at you, especially with your counseling <laughs> background. I'd love yeah. to hear what your what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I oftentimes like I ask really basic questions of scripture because I think that I am and I am a wrestler in life. It's never gone away. Like I've always had big questions and what feels like big problems with stuff like problems with the way the world works problems with people problems with myself and so i i've long ago began to ask really simple questions of scripture and a lot of times one of those frameworks that i often ask is what does a person do in this passage and what does god do like let me just name those hmm. because the the connection between human responsibility and god's sovereignty is really really important to me to understand how to care for people in suffering, how to care for myself, how to answer or live with big questions. So when I put that framework over this, I see, you know, what did Jacob do? Well, he showed up, man. He just showed up and he stuck with it. 
And that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. Like, that's, that's a really good the beginning and the end of faith. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't get it right. Like, he's not, we, we actually know. And if you guys continue to read through Genesis, like I said, there's still going to be problems ahead, but he, he, he sticks with it. Like, he has a story and he lives into the story. And that is profoundly encouraging to me to know that a lot of faith and a lot of being with God, what I would pull from this is just continuing to show up for it. Like, mm. show up like as messed up as you are with as many questions as you have with whatever complicated emotions you feel keep showing up like keep showing up Mm -hmm. and keep asking and then we see that god god already was going to respond to him god is actually the one who ordained this whole dang thing like Mm -hmm. he's the one who had jacob come to this place he's the one who had jacob come to the end of himself he's the one who has jacob move for whatever reason to be alone and he brings the man to wrestle with him so like god's actually orchestrating this entire experience so that's another thing you have to know is that you don't you can show up for the life that God has for you. Like God's already at work in it. Like, can you be in it with God? Because God's in it with you. And he made this whole moment happen, right? That brings Jacob to this next place, that brings him to this place of peace. And, you know, I'll just give like a little spoiler alert moving forward. Like the last thing we know about Jacob, the last thing the Bible wants us to know about Jacob is that he worshiped leaning on his staff. That's the last thing said about him. So like at the end of the day, with a life full of trouble, with all of this stuff, he just kept showing up. And mm-hmm. maybe that's for me is enough. Like that's what I need to hear today. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's the big thing is that this sets the tone for how God wants to engage his people. And he yeah. wants people who are going to go back and forth, who are going to bring all their stuff, mm-hmm. who are going to struggle, who are going to bring all the emotions. Uh, willing to wrestle. Willing to wrestle. And so that's so beautiful. And so I think that's I said, that's the big thing. Just some other things that I just kind of noticed that that my students also called out to is it seems to be the case that so often how our family relationships work mm. is how we what we project onto our relationship with God too. Yeah. How we interact with other yep. people influences that for better and for worse. And here we see Jacob engaging with God the way he engages with his dad, with his brother, with all these other people in his life. Mm-hmm. And we see that God's different. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's real value in maybe kind of every now and then evaluating how is God different? from maybe kind of my normal mo of how i engage people of what i expect Mm -hmm. from people what is scripture saying about god's character that's Mm -hmm. different from the other people that i i engage with in my life Mm. and then what happens next like if we're going to wrap the story for today yeah you know esau ends up being different than jacob yeah esau yeah that relationship is transformed yeah and and how much of that had to do with jacob we don't know i mean we know jacob Mm -hmm. showed up like bowing and submitting he may have done that from a place of deception and manipulation. Who knows? Like, we don't know if he changed right at that moment. But what we do know is that God, the sovereign God, had another example to Jacob mm-hmm. of people can be different. Life can be different. At Esau, like, it's very specific. We should always pay attention when the word grace is used. Like, mm-hmm. anytime that sense of kindness or grace, we're always, we always know that that's like a, a shadow of the image of God whenever mm-hmm. grace shows up. So the fact that the scripture specifically uses the word grace and gracious is like a very, very key mm-hmm. component to how this relationship sort of turns. And I actually, uh, I know one scholar, Jim Edwards, thinks that this is actually the story that becomes the the model for Jesus's prodigal son. I was just, that's so crazy because I didn't yeah. know that. And as we read it out loud, like how we've talked about how important it is to read the Bible out loud. As we read it out loud, I was like, oh, the whole like he came to him, he kissed him, he threw like that whole part Mm. sounded like 
the prodigal son. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mind blowing. So here in, the, here in this really wild moment in scripture, we have, I think, the ground and the soil for what's going to become probably the most famous passage in the Bible and one of the, the passages that most accurately captures the gospel. Oh, my gosh. I have not heard that before. And literally just as we were talking about it, it was I'm like getting emotional about it because the other thing is I sometimes think of we think of Jesus as real mystical, which, Mm -hmm. of course, he's like fully divine. He's fully God. He's fully man. But when you know, like Jesus loved the Bible, like he heard Mm -hmm. the stories. He was a man who heard the stories of his. He was in Sunday school. He was in Saturday. So when he says like when Jesus says, like, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. And then he uses parables that have these connections into stories from the Old Testament. We see he's fulfilling something that's always been there. Like this story in Genesis is here for a reason. And that reason is not fully realized until it's realized in Christ, right? Like that's always the story of the Bible. Yes and amen. Let's be yes and amen. I mean, that's if, if nothing else, guys, you must be encouraged by that. Like you can't leave and not be encouraged by that reality. It's unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. this is who our God is. He welcomes your wrestling. He welcomes all of you. He has a new name for you. That is like an incredibly true and pretty gospel and powerful promise that is for yeah. each and every one of us. So good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, how can we not have a great day coming out of that? Seriously. That's what I'm saying. Indeed. Thanks, Rachel, for all of your scholarly wisdom, all the things that you bring to our community. It's really awesome. And I can't wait to see what we discover next week. All right. See you then. All right. Talk then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.